Yes, here we go. It's the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. All right. Yes, this is the podcast that exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. I trust that's why you're listening, that it's your passion and desire to see God's kingdom come, his will be done, established through your creative daily contribution. It's such an honor to have you listening to the podcast today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Darren Stott, lead pastor at Seattle Revival Center, author of a book called Pattern Interrupt. You can check that out on Amazon. Again, Pattern Interrupt. There's a paperback, there's a Kindle, and the audiobook is definitely a good time. You're going to want to check that out. And founder of Supernaturalist Ministries, O Funko Pops. <laughs> no, I'm not swearing. I'm referring to a passion of Ivan Roman. You like Ivan who? Yep, it's he's a pastor, a prophet, and he's kind of in, into uh, Funko Pops right now. And um, now here's the thing. Uh, Ivan and Erica Roman and their three boys reside in Medford, Oregon. He serves as the lead pastor at Empowered Life Church. Ivan has a passion to build healthy prophetic communities that are biblical, sustainable, and powerful. Yes, you're going to want to check out Ivan at IvanRoman.org. You're also going to want to check out his brand new podcast. He's in three episodes at this point. It's called the Ivan Roman Podcast Experience. You're going to want to check that out on iTunes and his book, Prophets Among Us. Now, before we dive into this conversation, um, just want to take a second to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, especially if this is your first time. If if you if if you're listening to this and you're like, man, you know what? I think I'm really enjoying this. This is really enjoyable. Yeah, then make sure that you subscribe. Um, it just takes all the work out of it. What, what that does is that makes sure that all of our weekly supernatural content downloads automatically onto your streaming device. May it be your old-fashioned desktop, whether it be your tablet or right directly onto your mobile device. That's where I do my podcast listening is on my mobile device. So make sure that you subscribe and also uh, check out our website. I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm going to mention it. It's my name. It's darrenstott.com. Put in your email address. Join the tribe. We'll keep you in sync with all the crazy cool content and events that we got coming up. 2019 is going to be off the chain, and I'm hoping that I can uh, do this year with all y'all. Okay, without any further ado, let's dive into this conversation with the one and only Ivan Roman right here, right now on the Supernaturalist podcast show let's go connecting equipping and promoting emerging supernaturalists <laughs> we've been created for such a time as this all right and here we go <laughs> there is more he said what i don't know what what up <laughs> I'm just in your office, bro, looking at all the Superman stuff. Just remodeled. It looks good, man. The, the peeps helped me remodel all these new light fixtures, and yeah, it, it's matured. It's the same idea, but just more mature. Like from dude. like 12 to like 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> no, I really like it. It is. It's totally like a boy's bedroom. It is. Like right next. <laughs> Like an entrepreneur boy yes. with, with his black whiteboard, with his glass 
blackboard or whatever they call them those yeah it's exactly what a, it is. a highly successful multi-billionaire 15 year old 15 year old yes dude how you been i'm doing really good man Re- really well rested i've been walking around that little lake here up the what is it lake born lake born just kind of get, getting some thinking time just clearing my head you know just hanging out i tried to Jesus. think about it <laughs> People always look at me really strange. <laughs> is he singing? Is that Ivan? I think he's. I think he's. Is that a teardrop? He's, What's wrong with that man? It's because is he speaking tonight over at the church? <laughs> it's hard for me just to like, like in look. order for me to soak, I've had to not have like ten cups of coffee. Hold on, you soak? I do soak. I. W- <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking about, but I lie on. And I wait on the Lord. You're part of the soaking movement? Um, I am part of the, <laughs> the soak. Sometimes it's called sloking because you're really just taking a nap. And then you just call it something spiritual. The funny thing is um, the soaking movement, it originated like... Here at Revival Center? <laughs> you pioneered the whole... I started it. Bro. I did. How old are you? <laughs> are you one of those breatharians? You're actually 65 years old? <laughs> I'm drinking this coffee not because I need it. I'm not dependent on it. No, you're not dependent on no, it. No, I get my energy from the sun, the coffee. I just like for the flavor. Wow. Uh, dude, back in the day, do you remember the the Toronto days? Yeah. 94, 95. So, dude, they said do these things called drinking, like these pre-drinks, like before the meetings. Do you remember any of that stuff? Like you go into a prayer room, yes. but prayer was different then, man. Like you walk into a prayer room now, you got people like... Tearing their shirts open, <laughs> interceding. And yeah, dude, pacing like punching holes in the face with flags, and <laughs> like it was different then, man. Like in the in the nineties, you'd walk into a prayer room, everybody would be like on their backs, like down. laughing and just yeah. like just going crazy. And they called that drinking, and they'd have like music going. There, like like it, it, that was the pre-service prayer. And then um, and then I, I don't I think they needed to come up with a better name for it. You know what I'm saying? Like it did mellow out a lot. Yeah. The music got a little bit more like um, it went from like bar music, <laughs> like Rodney Hardbound, crazy like crazy drink music, to like um, to like just one chord for three hours. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, it did change, but I like this is I'm giving everyone dude the um, the biography of I'm soaking, soaking. Yes. yeah, because it is it is matured and just like my office, just like <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> So so you're a soaker. I'm a soaker. And, and is this like a daily thing? Is this like a daily like you wake up and Well, I I maybe I should call it meditation because I I'll just play some instrumental music and I'll just ask the Lord questions and What kind of what kind of music are you into for your soaking? Man, I just literally here's how creative I am. I go to my Apple Music and I log in soaking. John Tesh. And whatever comes up and I just click it. <laughs> Soaking in his presence, instrumental worship. All right, yeah. William Agosto. There you go. And you like that. Shout out to William Agosto. This is going to blow up his whole CD now. I'm going to hit play. What happens if I hit play? I don't know. Let's turn it up. Oh. Whoa. Just lie on your back and open your mouth. <laughs> and just receive. I'm turning this off. Uh, just, just receive. Just drink. <laughs> I remember, I remember Todd used to say, you go in a, you go in a cucumber and you come out a pickle. You don't need that coffee. <laughs> you have the voice for it. 
put that coffee down. It's a new day. All you need is water. <laughs> put that breakfast down. <laughs> put down that. Put down that egg. egg sandwich. Oh my goodness. That was good. Man, I got an album. You gotta check this one out. Do you remember the old school, like where they'd do soaking music and then they do the prayers on it? Dude, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have any albums like that? Yeah, I don't you do for real? them anymore. You have like a soaking, no, I, I've a soaking never made declaration one. album. Can I make one with you, dude? Let's do it. We can do it right now. Let's, let's do it right now. Let's do it. It was it started what, what, off a podcast, turned out a soaking. So album. track one, sitting under the apple tree, dude. If you want, <laughs> if you want to have a good time, <laughs> dude, I'm gonna give you write this one down. I'm pulling it up here. Dismiss. What that's about. Um, Track number two. Robert Winfield. Okay. You know this guy? I don't know him personally. I found out about him from Jamie Galloway. Okay. This is one of his favorite um, soaking albums. And he's a Christian from what I found out from John Thomas. And the the what inspired this is crazy. What inspired his his music is he being a Christian, he wanted to have the kind of music that would trigger lucid dreaming. Uh-oh. And the only kind of music out there that would do that is like more in the new age. Yeah. So here's a Christian, like the names of his songs, Angel Realm, North Circle, Anvid Cloud, Garden Mine, Eastern Star. Check this out. If you're ready to take your story. <laughs> Just <laughs> this is like, Dude, this is like, a, I got to get him on the podcast. I'm like, are you really a Christian? He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, no, but thanks for promoting me. <laughs> um, check this stuff out. This, this is where it's at. see yourself in the river of God. In the what? In the river of God. Dude, I'm sorry, you can't even make jokes during that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I feel like with, I your mu- with your music, <laughs> it was way too easy to make jokes. Yeah, yeah. But dude, that man, you just want to, tr- you want to turn the lights off. You know what I'm saying? I was about to kick you out of the room just now, like... <laughs> That that's a, that album will take you deep, dude. You put that on before you go to bed, or if you do what Jamie does and you wake yourself up at five a.m., so, so turn I it on, and go back to sleep, and go. <laughs> so I used to mention lucid dreaming. I've only met one person that actually used to do lucid dreaming, and I, at first I thought it was like thought the guy was crazy because he was very eccentric. But all these main leaders knew about him. Mm-hmm. He loved the Lord, and mm-hmm. he was going to the church. And uh, so I started asking him all these questions, and, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I go to sleep, and I wake myself up. And he yep. explained all the, all the REMs and RMIs yep. and all that stuff. And and he started to share with me. So something was happening in the ministry, and they asked him to pray. Dude, the encounters the guy had were amazing. Yeah. And it was all through, like, the Lord leading him in these experiences. But it was very, like, and then I saw this big rock, and God said to move the rock. And when I moved the rock, but it was all in this dreamlike state. Dude, I, Jamie's got Jamie's got a free, uh, it's like a free audio e-course online. It's like hidden in the dark web. I can, I'll show you the link. You've just exposed it now. On Lucid Dreaming. Jamie Galloway. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you. I got it on my phone. Do you have a coupon so uh, I can get it in discount? Yeah, but everyone listening is like, where's that at? Where's you know? that? Uh, and Jamie's like, dang it, I tried to hide that. All right, check this out. Now, this is a different take on Lucid Dreaming. This is called like a, um, this is called like a, like a new, the new, the nuclear mochaccino or something, right? Like, like check it out. So, 
It takes 16 minutes um, for caffeine to, to hit your system. So the idea is you wake up, you set your alarm for, you know, early, earlier than you normally do. So we go like, let's so go like, like 830. <laughs> I'm yeah, just tracking them. Exactly. It, you set your alarm, you wake up, and then you do espresso. <laughs> you do espresso and ice. Okay. And then so you wake up and then you you just you shoot it. You shoot you shoot the, the double shot or whatever, right? You, you go back to sleep immediately. You set your alarm for uh like let's say ten minutes later. The reason why it's gonna it's gonna take you at least five or six minutes to fall back to sleep. Ten minutes later, right when that caffeine's hitting your system, your alarm goes off. Bam! You're hit. You're waking up with that caffeine hitting your adrenal glands, and it's like the it's like nitrous, bro, hitting your hitting your stuff. It's just like off, man. What's it do? It just gives. I don't know. It makes you go crazy. It makes you go nuts, dude. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna try that. That's <laughs> not. We went from going into the heavens to just <laughs> shooting up espresso and like a syringe, and <laughs> you lost me. I haven't tried it yet. It sounds <laughs> it's not like I'd ever do it, bro. Oh, uh, it is interesting. So you're a soaker, and that's what something you do. <laughs> that's something you do each day. I do. I like to pause in the middle of my day and just ask the Lord questions and who's on your heart. You know, and I'll oftentimes I'll see a picture of somebody. I'll pray for them. I'll send them an encouragement, and it's actually amazing. I, I never, I never want to get comfortable or familiar with hearing God's voice. Yeah, it's always just as exciting when they confirm. Like, I was thinking about that, and you just said that. Like, I just love that so much. Yeah, dude, you um, it, you definitely you you walk in this very interesting place. This this dichotomy that this what i would what i would say is maybe a tension between the 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 pastoral call on your life and the prophet call you were just um you were just ordained as a uh, as a prophet with him uh, underneath cheon yeah and so what did you feel spiritually like when that happened did you become did you feel like your pastoral hat shrunk because <laughs> that was very significant i gotta think about that was pretty significant like and and the reason why I asked actually is because I remember asking my pastor when she was mentoring me. I was like, "How's this going to work? I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm ready to be a pastor. How's this going to work?" She's like, "Don't worry. When we install you and we lay hands on you, there will be a special grace that comes upon you." Yes. And dude, she was right. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I can give you like like the go to answer, but if I like want to get more trends, so here would be my like initial like podcast interview response. I would say, you know, you can pastor through. Your any gift. Yeah. So as an example, you take an evangelist and you watch how they are with the lost. Mm -hmm. Man, they'll go visit them, take them grocery shopping. But then they're mad at the church for not doing anything. But with the lost, there's a compassion. Sure. So as a prophet leading a church, I do pastor mm -hmm. through the prophetic realm. Yeah. Right. But but your but deeper and more real would be the the dichotomy or the tension between like <laughs> Sometimes I wrestle with God, like the whole commissioning, like you're talking about. In some ways, I feel like like a nonprofit. <laughs> like I feel like, don't put that on me, you know. Like the title part of yeah, it. Well, yeah. Well, one way it's super honoring, right? Like in 2004, I had an experience with the Lord, and He said, "I will make you a recognized prophet to your generation." Mm. So, like that's 2014. We're right. in 2000, what 19. It happened. Like, it's amazing. With that being said, I, I still, if I was honest, have this, like, uh, 
standard for a prophet. Like, I haven't given a word to Trump yet, you know? Like, I'm yeah, not dude. prophesying Don't. to the FBI. <laughs> you know? I'm not, you know? And, like, there's still the standard of, like, I'm just, like, encouraging some folks at church services, you know? And so for sure, me, the, sure, the, sure, the, sure. you know, what people think of a prophet, even with all the study I've done, I'm always like, God, like, give me a really cool word. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. tell me when something's going to happen. And I've had, for, for me, a lot of times, like, when I'm demonstrating the prophetic, like in a school setting or a church setting, people don't understand that's like me practicing the gift in a sense. But I do have experiences with God that people don't know about. That. Yeah, absolutely. And like, but I think the difference is that um, the difference between you and me and, um, and maybe how these offices flow within our own lives is that you go prophetic you go prophetic without even thinking it it's almost like it's like a natural default for you like it's like your that's like your natural bent or for me it's not so like i can prophesy and i can and i and i can operate in that gift but that's not my natural that's not just where i'm just going to naturally go yeah interesting even even i'm way more apostolic in in like how can i you know how can i deconstruct what you're building and build it better yeah it's a real it's a real thing (laughs) i'm just kidding i remember well i think that's true apostles you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong and this is what you're doing you want to be my son i love (laughs) you're my spiritual dad no really (laughs) i'm starting a network of people my age you're like why why is the paperwork why do we have paperwork on the podcast wait a minute yeah i thought we're just having just sign here 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 and here okay one time darren i was like <laughs> Wait, I thought we we're just hanging out, and now I'm like, you, you said this why is, am I you clicking auto pay? Be about friendship. What's the auto pay on my <laughs> automatic tithes that Darren stop? Okay, and a digital signature. <laughs> uh, so I was gonna tell you this. Well, story. your house comes with it. So the house, yeah, yeah that's a yeah. big part of it. Thanks for signing that over. So I'm like 25, six years old, and I got this guy wants to meet with me. I was working for a church, and, and he wants to meet with me, and uh, he's telling me like his marriage problems, right? Mm. And I'm just going to be honest. Like, I cared, but I really didn't. Like, I can't, like, I'm like, dude, you're like 50 years old. You've been <laughs> married so much longer than me. Like, let's just talk about our marriage problems. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah. Because okay. yeah. the title pastor means you know everything about, you know. Sure. So I'm sitting there and I'm doing my best, like, Dr. Phil impersonation. You know, I got to, like, tap a yellow notepad. And I'm like, it's interesting. And tell me more about your mother, you know. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, in <laughs> my head, deeper. I'm like, let's go deeper. Just, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, in the spirit, I hear this, like, like a tire inflating, yeah. like deflating. Yeah. And I go, do you hear that? I thought maybe it was a pipe or something that broke. And he goes, no, I don't hear anything. And the Lord said, it's you because you're deflating. This isn't your call. Oh, wow. And so all of a sudden I go like, I get nervous. And then I asked the Lord for a word of knowledge. And I saw a picture of something was going on in his marriage. And I declared and I prayed for him. And then we prayed through it. Wow. And he did some declarations and some repentance and like power of God came. Then he left. But it stuck with me like I can't put Saul's armor on. Like I can listen. Mm-hmm. I can be a friend. But I have to operate the way God's... I have to stay in my lane. Yeah. And I find, like, how about this, Darren? When I was younger and working for churches, and if a pastor would say, you know, I've just got to stay in your lane, it almost offended me. Yeah, totally. Like, I can do anything. Right, right. 
I can do anything my mom tells me I can do. Right, you know, right. <laughs> if I want to be an Olympic swimmer, I can. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. But the truth is, now I love staying in my lane. Like, help me get in my lane, because I know that when I'm in my lane, I'm thriving. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a message that that could help people. Like, help me with where my giftings and callings actually thrive, and in that place, then I need other people around me to help strengthen me, instead of me trying to do like counseling sessions every day and then yeah die, totally you know? totally totally i imagine you'd be pretty good in a counseling sessions though i think i think you'd be pretty good with your prophetic insight with your with your heart like if i'm I sure operate like that i'm sure it's not your favorite thing to do but i i think probably you're you're probably a pretty amazing in those environments if if i can operate sometimes i have to ask the question are you wanting me just to listen or do you want me to 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 do prophetic type stuff and if they just want to listen me to listen, I'll listen. But if if you want me to prophetic types, if you do, you want me to do like hear God with you. Okay, you all know, right. like let's hear God about the situation. <laughs> and people, I'm gonna ask that next time. <laughs> do you want me to do that prophetic stuff? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can we skip? <laughs> Should talk more about that espresso that you're shooting up. <laughs> so, did you feel like? Oh. Did, did you feel like an upgrade? Like. So after I got commissioned, or just a focus, or the next morning I had like four prophetic dreams, oh, and wow. they weren't just prophetic wow. for me; they were for different people. Wow! So that was because I honestly, Darren, if I'm being honest, I, I like ask God, like, all right, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's just that the body of Christ recognizes and receives me in this role, totally. it's so honoring. Totally. But I wanted it to be more than just honoring. Yeah. Like I want it legit. Paul saying to Timothy, fan the flame, yeah, strip yeah. the gifts of God that came, how? By the prophetic word and the laying on of my hands. Right. And I'm like, Patricia King, Cheon, James Gall, these guys are going to lay hands on me. And so I was almost trying to not be discouraged if something didn't happen. Mm. Right, right. Because <laughs> right, my expectation right, right. was like, each one of these guys has pioneered movements. Absolutely. <clears throat> I want I want a impartation, you know? So it was exciting to me the next morning having multiple dreams the other thing that's very interesting that it's done is it's, I feel in some ways it's just given me greater credibility, like a greater safety where people are like, oh, Ivan isn't like on his own doing weird stuff. Yeah, sure. Like he's a part of something bigger than himself, you know? <clears throat> I, I, I want to believe also that by serving Che, there's some apostle juice that's dripping down. Mm, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, I, I want to, because that's the one area that I, I'm a builder. The problem is with being like entrepreneurial and being like a prophetic builder, if I was being like vulnerable, maybe I shouldn't say being honest. I'm always honest, but vulnerable is I'm great at startup. Yeah. Like, dude, I've, I'm good at startup. I have the tenacity, the perseverance, the relational skills, ingenuity. I suck at maintenance. Yeah, totally, totally. So the prophetic side... Do you suck at it or are you just not excited about it? Man, I... You lose your passion. I lose gets, my, pa- I lose my passion mode. when it gets into maintenance mode. And then you know what I'll do? Hmm. Is I'll break it to refix it again. Dude, that's just... That's classic entrepreneur though. Okay. Like, right? Entrepreneurs, like, typically, they're not... They're, 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 um, they're creating and selling. Right. Right? They create and they sell and move on to the next project. Right? Yeah. Or just always buying. Like right. because there's different kinds of entrepreneurs, and it's interesting because there's different kinds of apostles. So there are apostles that almost know how to come into an area and like and and view the landscape, see the landscape, see the people, get God's heart for that area, see heaven on earth in that location, 
and then from out of nothing, like bring something into being. Then there are other kinds of apostles um, that come into something that's been shipwrecked, that's been devastated, that's been destroyed, and they know how to bring the beauty out of the ashes. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it, it is kind of interesting. And it's also interesting how like people tend to stay in their lane within that, right? Yeah. So if they have the ability to plant and build, like to plant, which is interesting, planting is different than building. Right. You know, because you can have an apostle come into an established work that's been like, plateaued for for years you know right. and that and they'll come in and almost kind of like you said break it even though it's broken but it needs further deconstruction and then they come in and start so, so, that, so that's really interesting and i mean the real, i say it just because you're you're normal man when it comes to that kind of builder kind yeah. of kind of thing i remember receiving a prophetic word from someone in hawaii when i was doing missions there and i was like really in a season of god what's next you know and this uh, woman, she was a pastor, her and her husband of a really massive church out there, like one of those 5,000 members. She's like, I have a word for you, and it's not like the most encouraging. Mm. Like, that's, what is it? She's like, I feel like you're going to, this is what she said, take over a church that's divided. Now, I didn't take over a church that's divided. I planted a church. What's interesting is they're all people that used to be a part of other churches. Now, not now. Now we're six years, almost seven years in. Now it's yeah. different. But yeah. when I first planted the church, the first Sunday we had 50 people show up, which I know others is like 10,000. But for me, that was a lot. And it was all people that had been a part of other churches that had been hurt, that were struggling with trust issues. And so for me, a part of the the building hasn't been so much like, <clears throat> I ran a martial arts academy. I've run businesses in the past. And I love the idea of like the entrepreneurship and the marketing and the sales components and the measurables and constantly moving. How do you motivate your team? I love stuff like that. But well, how do you motivate people that are broken and don't trust you? Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. for me, in some ways, God put me in a place where I had to really learn relationship. Where it's kind of it's kind of easy for me to build stuff based on personality or charisma, but like where you actually look somebody in the eyes. And mean it and say, I'll never throw you away. You had to learn how to do that? Um, I think, so no in the relational side, but I would say that I was way more of like, we're a center, we're going to train and equip, like using people as utilities. Yeah. Like I'm going to yeah. use you as a gift. Like you want to be used. I just yeah. heard you say God use me. So I'm going to use you. But you're tending to see people more as employees versus, 100%. yeah, versus family and rela- sensitive people where, yep. Yeah. And then you're like, I was there when you got the prophetic word that you're supposed to fill in the blanks. And I just asked if you wanted to do it. Yeah. And now you're saying no, or now you're doing it and then you're complaining about it or whatever. Cause like for me, you know, kind of like get over it and just, what was the biggest surprise in becoming a pastor? Cause like, dude, so you were like, and I want to get into like, like you were at Bethel, you were with Todd, you were with, um, like why wham you've been you've been everywhere and you've been part of pretty significant movements. moves of moves of God and movements. And and um and then God called you to plant a church in Medford, and so you became a pastor. You went from this crazy revival dynamic into um into uh, pastoring a local a local church, and that's a big that 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 can be a big uh that, that can be a, a a rough transition. Just watching some of the kids that leave um, Bethel try to go back into the local church, it's it's kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like watching these. Guys go from outer space, try to re-enter Earth, and their <laughs> their spaceships, you know, burn, burn up on fire and crash into the ocean. <laughs> you know, it's like how do you re-enter the orbit of a local church? 
after being after living in heaven for three years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's a legit. <laughs> so so that's exactly How do you do without dying. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still I think I'm still learning. I mean, I'm create, okay. I'm gonna call I'm gonna create an e course on this. You, you should. Know? So let's let's be honest, right? Yeah. I keep saying let's be honest. Yeah, I guess because I'm being kind of makes me nervous. You know why? Because like, normally right, now I'm, I'm going to be honest. Well, I'm not normally this vulnerable about <laughs> okay. stuff. I mean, I'm a vulnerable sure, person, sure, but sure, I'm like, sure. ah, I don't want anybody to hear this and get offended. Sure, sure, sure. You know, you're talking about the church. You're talking about Beth. like I honor and love all yeah. these people. I'm sharing my my heart. There is a sense of like, you know, who wants to be the tree and the play? Like, you want to be the lead character. You want to be the person with all the lines. You don't want to be the tree. You don't want to just stand there and pose. And okay, I'm with you. You yeah. want you want to be. And so there's this thing of like, there's greatness in you, and you're going to change the world. And oh, I'm going to change the world. And there's songs about me, a world changer and a history maker. History maker. And like, and so for me, I'm getting prophetic words all the way from when I'm 20 years old that there's a double portion of what's on Todd Bentley on you. Wow, dude, wow. I the guy led a million people to the Lord when he was like 30 something years old one of the fastest growing ministries at one time. And and so there's that pressure in a sense. And then I go to Bethel, which is such an encouraging culture. And it, the leaders are fathers, but the brothers are still competing with one another. And sometimes it's healthy and other times it's just brothers and sure, sisters. Sure, sure, So there's almost this like, who's going to get the bigger miracle and the bigger testimony. And, you know, and, and um, I remember one time and I feel like this was the Lord. I know it was the Lord. So I go with Chris Overstreet to uh, uh, minister at the juvenile prison. Mm -hmm. And uh, every person who asked for prayer got healed. Wow. So not everybody, but everyone who asked, which was a lot. And it was like one of those extravagant like power encounters, laying hands on kids who are getting slain. This is a prison. And the, the guards are like Mormon and they're not saved. They're watching. And so it was amazing. So they asked me to give the testimony in front of Bethel. Like, I'm going to get to share in front of Bill. He's like my hero and Chris and like... And I get up there, and I'm sharing the testimony, and then all of a sudden, it's like a ringing in my ear. What's that? Like a little... Interesting. Here. I don't hear it. <laughs> okay. Is I that speak the, healing right now. Is, <laughs> that, is that the Lord? Like, I haven't... Be careful. No, it might be. It might, yeah, it might be. So, so anyway, so as I'm sharing this testimony, thinking that they're going to, like, recognize how amazing I am, and now right. they get hired on or whatever... Um, all the front row, all the leaders get like distracted and they start like talking to one another and and it distracted the whole congregation where now the whole congregation starts to look at the leaders instead of hearing my testimony. Then they go, isn't that great? Uh, let's just applaud. Uh, we just need to pray right now. One of our members got, you know, and it shifted the whole thing, you know, and I, and I, I had experiences like that where I feel like God really protected me. Anyway, that got a little off subject though, but... I feel there was a point to it. Ultimately, I feel like I, I think one of the things that I don't know, Darren, if this was good or bad, but if you said to me, I'm going to change the world, I believed you. Like, I believe you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, part of the discouragement, double portion mantle, of course, I'm getting prophetic words about you're called the greatness, you're going to change the world. And then you leave that environment. And then now we're talking before church plant, you're thinking like, I'm instantly going to have a worldwide ministry. Now, fast forward to when we plant at the church, I'm thinking, of course, I'm going to have a 500 member church in two to three years. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the part I don't feel like it's not that it's not taught. It's just, I think the culture, sometimes we like what movies or like reality shows show 
like the business guy <clears throat> before he's a millionaire. No, you show when he reaches the millions, like who follows the couple after the honeymoon? Like, you know, who follows like an everyday life? Nobody. That's not exciting. Sure. So we tend to create, you know, ex- momentum around the exciting testimonies, the exciting miracles. and Well, a movie takes only the exciting parts of somebody's life. Yeah. And so you might get the whole story of the person's life, but, but they're not going to, because you, you have 90 minutes to watch somebody's 40 years or 50 right. year career. Right. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I felt the same thing stepping Like I, I had totally unrealistic expectations as far as the, how the church would grow. And I stepped into it, you know? And, um, the, and the other thing that makes me think of is being at this Bethel dynamic or taught or with, you know, in all these different revivals and everything, and then going into, um, pastoring, it, it could be similar to like when we were hosting in 2016, we did like, Man, we did like 360 meetings, you know, over the course of Dang. however many, like, I think that was just within the first like 18 months or something, right? Like we, we went two years just like, like, first of all, it was every night for five, like five weeks. And then we, then it was every weekend to the, to like, oh, like to nothing. Like we took like two months off at one point. Um, and when you're doing meetings every night to now, you're at home on Friday night watching TV. Yeah. You wouldn't like the feeling is, am I even saved? Right. Like, am I even a Christian right now? <clears throat> Go, going from, going from these, you know, and so, yeah, it does, it tweaks your identity, man. So, and so for, <laughs> it, for me, it's a major identity. tweak. I remember, yeah. I remember this time where I, where like all my buddies, you know, guys that I ran with were like, Man, they're leading people to Jesus. They're having resurrections from the dead. And I'm, that's literal. Yeah. <clears throat> and they're just doing all this amazing stuff. And and the Lord began to remind me, like, a lot of these guys, like, let's look at Sean Bolson, example, who's like yeah. a hero of mine. Like, I so respect him. He just got married, like, how many years ago? Not very long ago. And he's got two little girls. Right, right. So he's been, like, running hard for, like, 25 years. Right. So... I got married at 24. I chose family. I chose to slow down so I could be a good husband and a good father. Was there a why in the road? Or was there like, are you, are you going to choose family? Or are you yes. going to choose ministry? And I remember the moment. Really? I, I, was, I was 23 years old and I was feeling super lonely. And I was working for a church and, it was, and I was crying out to God. And the Lord spoke to me. And he, he said this, choose ministry or marriage. They'll both get you the same place, but one will take you longer. Hmm. Wow. And I went, well, wow. why will one wow. take take me longer? And then I, I understood then, because your family will become your ministry. Wow. And that wow. doesn't mean wow. like when people think of ministry, they think, oh, well, does that mean they're broken? No, it just means your focus. Like my boy is 13 years old and he needs dad home more than I need to go to Africa. Now he's going to Africa with me, but as an example, like yeah. he... I'm not going to change the world and not like, and it'll abandon my 13 year old. Yeah. So like there is this tension of, man, my kids need me, you know? Yeah. You chose well, you chose well, Ivan, right? You, I mean, you were just being obedient, light of the spirit, you know? And, um, yeah, dude, absolutely. Without, without a doubt. The other thing I would say about the church, like a lot of my frustrations with the church were they actually said more about me than Mm -hmm. the church. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, come on, people. Like, you know, I was just a part of a youth movement, and we're leading people to Jesus. And, and you know, and you're always, and I'm, and I'm so critical, right? And I realized, like, 
then you become a pastor and you spend time with these people and you go, you're amazing. Wow. Like you are. You're real people. You're real people. Like you have multiple jobs to provide for your family or, or like, then you start to hear their stories and you fall in love with them and you realize like there's a reward for the people that stayed home and protected the bags. Maybe yeah. that's not the best way of putting yeah. it, but like yeah. we want to celebrate David and the men that go fight and they're going to missions and they're going to, and I'm looking at these people and I'm falling in love with them and I'm realizing what needs healing is me, not them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are people that actually have jobs. Exactly. They actually have to wake up before eight thirty. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get they don't get time to soak every you know what I'm saying? Like Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. used to get so frustrated with people, you know, and I'd be like I'm trying to look up a poem, but I I, I used to get so frustrated with people because I I'd get up and I'd be like, How many of you know this scripture? You know what it says in Nahum one eight, you know? You know what it says in Job 23? and I always forget that Nahum's even in the Bible, dude. Yeah. I always forget about that book. <laughs> and people just look at you and then I'd be like, well, how long guys been Christians for? Don't you read your Bible? And my wife would sit down with me and say, honey, you spend so many hours, like you're getting paid in a sense to, to study to the word. The Bible. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you're, and you're called to teach the people the word not beat the people up for not knowing the word. Yeah, sure. And it was all this like, but I still see it if I'm very honest with a lot of these movements. And again, it's not the leaders, but they come out and they start judging the churches for not doing stuff. And how come there's not this? And how can, and I'm like, I can help you. So, so yeah. here's, here's what I feel happened to me. It's so funny is that like, yeah, like ministers are so quick to kind of go off on people. Um, and yet sometimes I think ministers need somebody to go off on them. Yeah. You know, like it'd be fun just to gather up all the ministers and then, no, I don't even know what I'm talking about. So keep, <laughs> lock them into a building. You are. And then have some disgruntled, like, you know, per, you know, like, <laughs> now you give me all your money. And I, I feel like 10 of you are going to give $10,000 and you're not leaving. And you're not leaving. That's not even funny. It All right, so what that were you, was bad. Yeah, that was just dumb. So I'll just strike that. Yeah, yeah, that one's not going to make it in the act. <laughs> what I for I was saying something really profound. <laughs> you were on a yeah, dude. I was going to change lives. No, you, what you were saying is is just this whole place of 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 learning empathy for the people of God, and and that you've really learned that in this place of pastoring and community and family and and like and like not just using people, mm. but actually like I'm going to run with you for life. And think you ever think about this? There are people out there that have one talent. Like me. <laughs> like some people have one. <clears throat> you probably have two and a half. There are one talent people, five talent people, 10 talent people. Sure, sure. We sure. celebrate the 10 talent people. But what about the one talent person that's crushing it? Yeah. Like, you know, and then so. They're, yeah, they're billionaires, basically. The one talent person. They, they know what, it's talking about staying in your lane. Exactly. You know what you're, you know what you're good at. You're just doing that. Yes. Versus I think people that are good at kind of everything never really accomplish anything sometimes because they take their giftedness for granted. That's why, you know, those people that have heard me speak before, you'll often hear me talk about the difference between giftedness and relationship and the difference between building a culture of love versus performance. And, and, and I have so many people in my church that could be leading it better than I, that can teach better than I, that are more gifted than I. And sometimes, I think this is true of prophets in general. Sometimes you just being yourself offends people. Mm-hmm. 
Totally. And for me, because of the grace on my life and because of the, my friends and because of the things that I've seen in ministry, I'm not easily impressed. I'm super impressed by healthy family. Like when somebody comes really? in the church really? and yeah. you can see that they like googly eyes with their wife and yeah. they've been married 30 years. Sure, and sure. Kids like hug the dad and love them. Like that is so impressive to me. But sadly, and maybe this is a, a general critical statement, but sadly, a lot of the most gifted people, mm-hmm. they don't have that. Yeah, I was like that when I was a kid, when I would notice, not a kid, teenager in later years, when I would notice um, uh, pastoral families that were super legit. And yeah, there was the love dynamic between the husband and the wife. And then, but what really caught my attention is when I'd see pastor's kids look at their dads with like such affection and honor. Yeah. You know, because I had lost that honor for my own for, for my own dad because of the because of the brokenness that we walked through through divorce and all that, and so it was actually um, through a, a couple of real legit ministry families that I learned to begin to trust again, where to the point of being open to go into ministry. Because at that time, I, I hadn't walked through my own forgiveness issues with right. you know, um, so yeah, I, I absolutely agree, and that much more why it's so important that we really value. Our, our love dynamic with within our families with the, with our spouses that we really make that a priority i mean it's i really know that it's about just two pastors sitting at a table we could go on all day as far as health and healthy families and healthy relationships because that's really what but nobody wants to hear that nobody so they have, yeah ivan <laughs> let's talk about revival <laughs> let's talk about the crazy um when when you look back and i and dude i love your heart man thank you yeah i always love hanging out with you and and, and because i love the purity of your heart don't make it awkward. When you, can we hold hands? Um, when you when you look back at like some of the crazy stuff that you've been part of, what was like the craziest uh, kind of move? Like what, like if you if you if you had to actually go back to a specific point in time because it was just so crazy and it felt like anything could happen. It felt like you know every day was just like the rapture could happen because it's just like it's the peak moment in 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 Christian culture on the earth. You know what I'm saying? Where you're just yeah. like, ah, this is it. Ah, you know, let's go. Come that day, you know. I feel like there's there's actually quite a few moments like that for me, which is, I think, a part of what we were talking about earlier where the, I had to work through discouragement because <clears throat> I thought Christianity was like me going to third world nations and seeing the power of God happen or or when I was at Bethel and I used to run with these guys that were mystics and we'd have these crazy encounters. And I thought that that, I mean, I know, I understand that we're teaching that is normal Christianity, but there is a measure of when you're single and you don't have a job and somebody's paying for you to go to school and there's no stress. And there's, you totally, know. totally, totally. So, so I look back at those times. I mean, just even the times that I was with Todd, bro, like. It wasn't this like gentle, like, holy, everybody just lift out your hand. Holy Spirit, come. And then like, whoa. With Todd? Yeah. yeah no, he's not was, exactly It was him. raw yeah. <laughs> power. Like, I've seen people get picked up, thrown across the room, and, and this bodies is like, fall This is like before. right in the very beginning of Todd? Like, yes. So, so I came on uh, right after Todd had been to Grants Pass, Oregon, and had the, the visitation of the healing angel and some of those things that really launched his ministry. And then he started going to Albany, Oregon, and there became a healing visitation there. I came on right after the up climb of his ministry. Okay. So I got to experience like... And you came on as an intern? Right, I came right on as, a, as an intern. Yeah. 
And I was the first intern. There was not even an intern program. You were Todd's first intern. I was the first intern. The ministry was so small that I actually slept in the office. Awesome. So we would get so excited over a $500 offering. Like I think that should be the title of this podcast, Intern, intern Number 001. <laughs> yes. I've been, I've been in a lot of things. I've been a part of a lot of things in the early days. So like, not like I was in the early days of Bethel, but I was a student in 2001 when the school was like 100. And now it's like a thousand. Yeah. So, you were you there with um, uh, Chad? I was there. In, I was in Chad's class. Jason. Yep. Chris. Yep. Who else? Chris was my roommate. Oh, really? So we all ran together, and the stories. Who, who are, else was there at that time? Oh man, Carrie Green. I don't know if you know she is. She's Brazilian. She's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm crushing at her. it. Right yeah, now, yeah. Like you in you introduced her to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I try, man. If I'm forgetting you, please forgive me. I, I don't remember. I mean, there's. But still, still, like, like people in, that are in the genesis, in the genesis of yeah, and and there was just a rawness even in Bethel, even a rawness in Todd's ministry in the early days that I I miss if I was being really honest. Like I, what, what, do, you, what do you mean by rawness? I think that when things grow and they become more more like it's it's practical actually like like it's, it's more scripted. It's more scripted. It's a little bit more polished. We have everything organized and 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 what I've noticed is like. Where can I go around the world right now to just lie on the floor and encounter God mm-hmm. and not get like rushed because there's seven services? Mm-hmm. That's not anybody's fault. It's no. like God's blessed them, you know, like Bethel or even even the days with Todd. It was like people came for an encounter with Jesus mm-hmm. and it was raw. Mm-hmm. And and so we saw like deliverances in the church and which is now like controversial. Like can a Christian have a demon? I like what Wimber says. He says the Christians can have anything they want, they, but they just shouldn't <laughs> want one. You know, his answer is like, we're so simple. But so like, so, okay, let me think of like some, some of the crazy, crazy, like I have a lot of demonic deliverance stories because they stick with you. Um, but they're, they're not always like my Bro, brother. I love the way that you're wired because like you'll be telling a story, but the, the, the story will trigger your own theology sometimes. Like because you're such a man of theology in the word. Try. And so like it is so funny. Like even last night at the school, like you'll like you'll be telling a story and like you'll 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 trigger like four of your own theological kind of and then you're like, Well, and then you'll begin to explain it. I I think it's awesome, man. I'm That's working, so cool. I'm but, working on a book right now. You're amazing, I'm, Ivan. I'm, thank you. I'm trying to make it like fun, <laughs> like in stories. But it's not. It's gonna be so dry. It's, just all, it's like systematic. <laughs> Theology with Ivan. Suck. I need to redo the whole thing. It's gonna be the worst book ever. It's gonna be so dry. I, I think. I think part of it is because you know. So so I'll finish some. Let me just think of some cool stories. Like no no. Go how back, about a crazy? Go, go back to you. Go back to what you were talking about just now. To finish this point, then go back to a story. Yeah yeah. No, you were talking about the story. Yeah, I was before I interrupt you. So I'm, I'm trying to think. There's like I can tell healing stories, but let me tell you what like one crazy demonic story. And and it's fun. So and I don't want you to feel pressure, like you have to tell crazy demon stories. I mean, that was you know what I'm saying. I love these stories. <laughs> I miss this stuff. This yeah. is the stuff that I'm like, you know. And so you gotta start hanging out in Seattle more, man. You want demon stories? <laughs> hang out in Seattle, dude. <laughs> if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then tonight, the kingdom man, of heaven has come upon. I'll get you some tonight. I'll, I'll be like, I, I'll line them up for you. <laughs> so we're in Reynosa, Mexico, with Todd, and this is the early days. And so imagine church in Mexico, hard, you know, concrete, and there's the chairs are all metal, and that'll that'll make sense in a moment why I shared that. And Todd's in his, in prayer, and then we go and and we're having meetings. Well, the following morning, and it was good service, you know. The following morning, wake up, we meet in the lobby for breakfast, and Todd's got one of those like white tank tops on you. Know, they call them white beaters. Yeah. And his hair's all messed up, 
and he looks like he just rolled out of bed. And I'm <laughs> like, Tyler had hair. And yeah, and this is like 2000, so I was like a world champion martial artist. I have a six pack. I was ripped. I was like, always like I would wake up and put on the nicest clothes and press my clothes, you know. And and here he looks like he just rolled out of bed with a with a white beater on. So I'm like, hey, you doing all right? You don't you don't look very good. And he's like. A witch asked your projected herself into my room last night. And I you gotta understand, like I have no <laughs> biblical background for any of this stuff. I don't understand it. And so I look at him. Like, what I was, is that in the word? I was six months old in the Lord. Yeah. Right? And I and I and I get so think about it. Six months old saved, now I'm traveling with this guy. Awesome. And so and I'm like, what dude? He's like, Yeah, you know how how every Christian has that bubble? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, anyway, now you and I would say, and this is maybe where some of the theological stuff comes from because I've like, been with him. I'm like, the Bible says the glory of the Lord is your rear guard. He covers you, you know. Anyway, and he's like, he just called it a bubble. And he's like, I was asleep and I felt something penetrate in my bubble. And he goes, I swear that's how he talked. And he goes, and then the Lord told me, and the Lord told me, Wake up, there's a witch trying to actually project herself in your room. <laughs> rebuke it. He goes, so I, so I rebuked it and it left. And, and I'm like, dude, what are you, what? And I said, well, what are you going to do about it? He goes, Lord has given me uh, power and authority to, to cast out the spirit of divination and witchcraft. He told me there's a coven that's been sent to these meetings to attack it. And, and uh, so I'm going to confront it. I said, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Sorry. Right, so now we're in Reynosa, Mexico. People are sitting there, you know, the Mexican people, you have the poor, but then you also have those that dress up, you know, like Hispanic sure. culture. Yeah. So they're all nice and proper, you know, and Todd gets up there and he goes, last night, one of you witches astro projected yourself into my room. One of you witches, right? And God gave me the power. And he's like, in the name of Jesus. And he starts doing that whole, you know, yeah. Carlos Anaconda thing. Oh, man. Bro, the chairs start going, bing, bing, bing. They started flying up in the air. And uh, there's this misconception that, like, every third world country is used to, like, raising the dead, moving. Sure, in. sure. The Baptists are in those countries, too. Sure. Right? And so these guys didn't know what to do. So the, the ushers... We're basically like launching these people into the altar like firewood. They're just stacking them, just throwing them. And uh, it was a coven. And so we started casting devils out of these people and leading them to the Lord. And, and so the, the whole lot of them were in the meeting. They sat in a certain form. Wow. They sat in a... There's so much that I that I know And they about. just started manifesting. And they just started manifesting. They were manifesting like they were choking, which is very interesting. And then... And it's not funny, but it is funny. The, the one guy, it was actually Todd's dad who had been saved like two weeks. He walks over to me and he goes, hey, Ivan. And I'm like praying for somebody. And I'm like, what? And he's like, that woman came over. That, I went over to pray for that woman. And she said, don't worry, Dave. <laughs> I don't have any demons. And I'm like, bro, I don't think that she speaks English. I think a demon just lied to you. He goes, what? And he runs over and it was a full on demon that, that said, Oh my goodness. So like I have so many of those. She knew his name. She knew his name. Wow. And, she, and the demon spoke perfect English. And after the devil was cast out of her, she didn't know how to speak English and didn't know his wow. name. Wow. So these people though, like, so like these people to the critics, they got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit awesome. after their deliverance. Awesome. So God didn't just want to expose them and cast their devils out and then they get seven times worth. They, they actually got like saved. So I look at those meetings where you don't know what's going to happen. Every there. one of them and, went through the alpha course. 
<laughs> well, like, so one meeting, here's another meeting. We're in Tanzania, <laughs> Africa. And they, they started the Alpha Corridor. They started the Alpha So we're in Tanzania, Africa, and uh, we're about to do a crusade. And, and Todd always wanted to go to, like, where the poor the poor, like, yeah. open air crusade, fish market, all that stuff. And so I'm the head intercessor at this crusade. And all the prophetic types are coming to me and they're like warning me. Like three or four separate people that didn't talk to one another. I saw Todd get stabbed. I saw him get really? assaulted. Yeah. And so I meet with Todd and I'm like, bro, I don't want to scare you. He's like, don't tell me. But what is, what's the consensus? That you shouldn't go. He pauses and he says, God told me to go. And if I die, I die of preaching the gospel. Wow. So now I'm like my karate days, right? I'm like looking around like... <laughs> <laughs> like like something bad's gonna happen to take somebody out. Todd gets up, it's fish market, and he goes, you know, there's the interpreter, and he goes, "My name is Todd. I am from Canada." You know, <laughs> then he's like, "I am here as a messenger, whatever." And then he's like, "Dude, they just look up and just like whatever, like nothing." Yeah, bro. Then he goes, "Any man or woman with any sickness or disease, if my God doesn't heal it." Then I'm a false prophet, and I'll pack my bags up, and I'll go to Canada right now. Dude, bro, the man of faith that I was, I'm like, we just won't put this in the newsletter. <laughs> right? He just yeah. cut this story out of, yeah. the, of the whole, yeah. like, yeah. testimony, and we just leave. Like, I like, bro, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So you weren't, you weren't feeling it. No, he was, dude. It was I, like a challenge for I him. I wrestled so much with unbelief. Like, people, if they knew me then and they saw my ministry today... I was like the skeptic, dude. Wow. I was the skeptic wow. of the supernatural. I was the skeptic of Todd. Wow. Like I got converted through from unbelief by wow. traveling with this crazy guy. Wow. So people start running up and they brought somebody. I forgot what it was. Probably like something like a back and God heals it. At a certain point, so many miracles start breaking out that they started getting aggressive. Mm. However, we had a car close by. So we were able to get out there. The teams went later. And then they were able to lead people to Christ. Wow. But it wow. actually became riotous. I can tell you so. So, wow. like, so think about a Christianity where every service, something crazy is going to happen. Like you, That should be the expectation of every service, right? That's what I thought. And then I started going to American churches. And, <laughs> and I was like, you guys are boring, you know? But then even like my time at Bethel in the early days, like, Bro, you'd walk into the door and like the like the glory would be present. You just you'd walk in, get hit with the Holy Spirit, and just fall on the floor. And like Bill would sometimes just lay on the floor and encounter God and just worship. And the whole church would sing in the Spirit. And and I don't know, man. Like there's something in me. I don't know what it, what what a reformer or something like. Like people have have asked me like like how big would you like your church to be? And there's a side to me that wants it to be super large so that I can like tell people. I always say eighty hundred. People are like, what? 80, 90, 90. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say niner? 89, niner, niner, five, niner, four. But then there's another part of me that knows that once you get past like 125, 200 people, like, then it comes with, all of a sudden you got to start worrying about where they park, you know? Like, like you guys have an amazing church because you've stayed true to the path of revival and community and wholeness and the word but that's hard to like most people have kind of ditched one or the other mm. you know what i'm saying like and that's one of my personal frustrations right now with guys our age or younger is 
They love community so much. Now, I pastor a church. I love community. But I don't want to compromise community for presence. You can have a community that's centered around the presence. Yeah, you, and you won't. Not with the... And, and that's the thing is like... Um, that's why you got to have prophets in your church upon the foundation of the apostolic Come and prophetic on. with the, you know, the prophet and the apostle. That's, that's the foundation for the church. Because yeah. if you don't have if you don't have prophets in the church, you're just going to build a community around community. You're not going to build it around the presence. Because you can build a Jesus community but have no presence. But if but if you have prophets in the midst, they'll be like we've. They'll be like enough with your stupid community. You know what I'm saying? That that's the way prophets are yeah, are right. like. They're like enough with your stupid community. Where's where's the community of heaven? Yep. You know, and I I think that's why it's so important. You have to have pastors in your church. Yeah. If you just have. Prophets, you won't have any community of one person in the presence of God. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So that's why I mean, it's so important to have. I don't know if I've ever heard someone articulate it the way you, the way you just did about the about the need for prophets. When I have this conversation with my friends that are younger, that I love, their churches are three fifty, four hundred, they're growing. You know, um, they agree, and they love the prophetic, and they love worship, and they love culturally relevant messages. But power, mm-hmm. like when the power comes, like when they bring me in and I teach like a great message, like three points, 35 minutes. I prophesy over some key leaders, a few members of the church. Like they're like, oh, yeah, we love having you. But then there's those times where I start getting drunk in the Holy Spirit. And then and then and then they're like, oh, it's funny. I was getting... then all of a sudden I start laying hands on people. Boom, boom, boom. And you can tell that the catch they have no catchers. Wow. The, yeah. the, that whole day of like training up catchers and yeah. having the blankets back at the that, altar. Man. Yeah, we got to get back to that. I, I've, I've told my leadership team that we want to get back to that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, guys, when I pray for somebody, where's the faith and expectation that they're going to get touched and the power of God is going to come on them? Nobody's standing behind them. Like, so now we've like, by faith, have the little blankets. Remember the little blankets, the yeah. little courtesy blankets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I want somebody to get slain in their wig fall off again like i love that stuff darren oh dude yesterday i was at starbucks with uh with our with our team and i looked over and there was a gal with her kids and um and i looked and she and i recognized her because she was a part of our church for a sh- very short amount of time and um and i just so i waved and um and, she, and 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 her eyes looked bright-eyed and hopeful but there was not exactly a wave that came back and she probably had her hands full and and just whatever else and so but the the back story is is that um the last time they came to our church, you know, was when Andrew and I just got back from the fire and glory outpouring with Jeremy and Miranda. Well, dude, that that service what that Andrew and I did with Jeremy and Miranda was the drunkest mm. service like they like that I've ever ministered in outside of SRC. Uh, they carried me up and they put me on the stage mm. because Jeremy was ready for me to preach. Like he was introducing me and I was out like out in the aisle like in just a pile of body like and he was like darren get up here right and my wife andrea was up there kind of stalling for me but she was drunker than i was <laughs> and so they put me up there and it's anyways and it was off it was just so much fun it was just we were just crazy just so we came back from that from the momentum of that we, we got back to src well it broke out here on sunday morning so i never preached a sermon it was just like we were just releasing the whack all over it right and that was their last oh. <laughs> that was their last sunday Here's, here's why I bring it up. Andrew and I, we were just talking about that just now before I came here to meet up with you. I was like, yeah, I ran into, what's her name? And the kids yesterday, remember their last Sunday? She's like, oh yeah. Andrew's like, I'll never forget that Sunday, right? 
And we were just talking. And I was like, you know, here's the thing about SRC. Like, that's who we are. Like, that is, and I was like, sure, we fake sobriety. And sure, we do like three points. And we, we're going after discipleship community all this. But the true nature of SRC is like, it is the desire of every person to break the script. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the win. Like, when the script gets broken and, and and it's just, like, God showing up and it's getting messy. Like, whoops, we forgot to take the offering yeah. because no one is conscious. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like that, you know what I'm saying? And I say that, not and, and by all means, that's not every service, but, like, that is the people yeah. that are here. No matter what the age, no matter, like, and uh, I'm just kind of bragging on our people right yeah, now. Well, you, know, you know what I'm saying? But, um. But dude, like, let's just choose to believe that that is the desire of, of people, whether they're saved or not. Like that yes. people know, like if you're impressed by the religious program, you're an idiot. Yeah. You are, you're an absolute moron because the, like the religious systematic program that like you just do this and you'll be successful. That is not success. Like here's the thing, like if I like if I go, if we were to grow this church to ten thousand, that is not success. Not when you look at the the amount of people in our immediate community that do not believe in Jesus, that do not love Jesus, and will not go to a church. Period, because they're fundamentally against what the what the church stands for. Like, dude, that's very, very so for our church to grow to like ten thousand. Yeah, that's such a big church. No, it's not. When you look at the proportion of the people in the Northwest yes. that at this current point don't do not have a revelation of their sonship or identity in in the one who created them for such. You know what I'm saying? I love that. And so we've got to like we've got to rethink everything. And we've and we've there's got to dude there's got to be some mega churches that are that are acts like that are nuts like. Like there's got to be because here's the thing about the mega they carry radical influence yes. and they become prototypes they become models and and how many models outside of like Maldonado like as far as like here Apostle model like like what that guy's doing is is Crazy. is is amazing right. but like we need more models that have excellence but also they are breaking the stinking script and just like you know yeah. Look at me in my soapbox. I'll, I'll get down. I'll, I'll step down. I love your soapbox. I love your soapbox, and I think people. Have, I'm sorry. I got a little carried away. I, I think that's where the 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 teacher in me formed, because I almost became an apologeticist for the supernatural, where like I, I like I wanted people so much to encounter the drunken glory of God and yeah. experience uh, the supernatural. Like I wanted it so bad, and so people would walk in, not the lost. Like the lost or the newly saved, they'd come in and feel the presence and see me laughing and laugh with me and see the freedom and they would love it. But the the religious, and so the words of the religious hurt, right? You're like, oh, I'm trying so hard. Oh, they're cutting and they're uh, critical. And that's still going on. Mm. But after a while, you just don't even listen to the, the voice of the, of the critic, the voice of the accuser, you know. That, but I feel like when you start sharing the testimonies of of what happens when... Uh, somebody gets a prophetic word and, and their life gets transformed or they or they get drunk in the spirit. I spoke at one church and uh, I had all their leaders and I and I felt like the Lord said I wanted to do a fire tunnel. So I taught on receiving and I taught on, like when we talk about getting drunk, I think 
we're talking about being overcome by the presence of God, right? Yeah. And and so I do a little mini teaching and I start, we do a fire tunnel. And yeah. I think that this is like a renewal church. Sure. <laughs> but they, they, they like me as the prophet theologian guy. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. We like that. But this part. Teacher Ivan. Teacher Ivan yeah. that prophesies over people. Yeah. So. Is that weird? That's so weird. That you can be open to the prophetic, but not open to the power. That's what I'm noticing more and more. That's so weird. That, that, that's exactly what I'm Bro, people started getting slain to spirit laughing. And then afterwards, I realized how controversial it was. And yet many of them were saying, we didn't even believe in this. And when you laid hands on me, I couldn't stop laughing. Now, maybe maybe as some of your listeners might say, well, that's a kundalini spirit, you know, or whatever. No, it's no, like... None of my listeners are going to say that. Good, because <laughs> I had somebody recently <laughs> ask me, and it was like genuine. Yeah. And this is somebody who I care for. They're amazing in our church. Like a, yeah. And, but they, they've been in church their whole life. And they've... <laughs> I, I want to tell their story because it's fun. But yeah. anyway, they asked me like, there's all the laying on the hands that we do here, like... Where's that? Like, and I'm like, Hebrews 6 says this is an elementary doctrine of the laying on of hands. Come on, go on. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I want to, I think we're doing it the best that we know. And uh, I know that Bethel and Wyoming, there's other movements that are taking these young people and they're getting them jazzed for the supernatural. And I love that. But a lot of them go and do missions. Yeah. I feel like one of the greatest mission fields right now in America is our churches. Yeah, that's right. I do. I mean, yeah. I, and I know when I say that, some people are like, whatever, that's easy. Church is easy. They're, they're not understanding the, the mandate. The mandate of every man, every woman, whatever age, encountering Jesus for themselves and having a personal revival that leads unto corporate revival. And I believe if you can have it in a local church like you guys have, to me, that's way more powerful of a testimony than an evangelist having side meetings. Because that... because. The evangelist has the side meetings, but those people then go to their pastor for counsel. <laughs> you know, if you can have it in a local community that's healthy, to me, that is like a, a home run. Yeah, I always RBI. say if you can do revival at home, you can do it anywhere. There you go. Like the hardest place to be a, a, a revivalist or a prophet is in your hometown. Yep. But if you can do it there, man, you can. If you can get miracles in your hometown, look, you're doing the greater things. Jesus couldn't do it. Yeah, Isn't that wow. crazy? Damn. Yeah, Jesus wasn't able to do revival in his hometown. Damn. And really, that's what we're going after. Come on. Yeah, I was born and raised here, man. Yeah, this, this, we're in my grandpa's office right now. <laughs> it was grandpa. my dad's office, you know? Did they have the Superman No, nah, this oh. office has never looked so good. <laughs> <laughs> I need to buy you. Dude. I want to buy you a, a Superman Funko Pop. <laughs> Do you know anything about Funko Pops? <laughs> no, Ivan, no. I'm what what a is a Funko? Is that what you're calling this? A Funko Pop? Let's title this Funko. Prophets Revival and Funko Pops. So Funko Pop is a little bobblehead. That's all it is. Okay. And they make them of like... It's like a sucker too kind of thing? No. We'll like, we'll, why is it called a pop? I don't know. It's just the Are name sure of the company. Are you sure you can't pop the head off? There's probably a sucker there. No, I hope not. And they're collectibles. And so they come out with like, whatever. Let's say the Superman has a, a different color. And they're like thousands of dollars. Really? Buy them really? For nine bucks. Really? It's something I'm doing with my kids. This is a fun oh, way so you, to you do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. But my wife is like, is that box? She's like, is another box, box came from Amazon. Pop? If that's another one of those stupid little things. <laughs> that's hilarious. They're like, I just like to say it. You know? You should, you should get me one. 
Well, we have to, you have to take I, me to a place. I got place. some open space on my shelf. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new shelf. <laughs> oh man, dude! The thing about uh, empty bookshelves is it just it it totally makes you look like um like you know what's up. Like yeah. your life is organized. You're not busy. Like um, you know what I'm saying. When you see somebody with when you walk into somebody's house and you look at their bookshelves, and they're not really bookshelves. They're more just like uh, there's like two or three books designer shelves yeah 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 and then there's like a, a plant <laughs> and then you go down to the next shelf and there's like an, another two or three books it's true you know with like with like a little um, figurine of a wood guy where he can move his arms and his legs yeah you're just like man yeah. the, when people care about design to the point where you know what I'm saying yeah that, did that, you learn that, that from Chip and Joanna Gaines yeah do you watch like home improvement shows all the time here's why here's why we don't invite people over to our house <laughs> Our house is nothing like that, dude. Like, if you look at my bookshelf in my in my office, man, it is like it is ridiculous. There's like a billion books, and then like a gun on top of them. I'm, I'm with an American flag of America. I I like a gun on it. You know, I have a lot of guns on my bookshelf. Actually, I should move them. Oh, guns scare me to this. Especially day. now that I've announced it on the podcast. Yeah, you don't like guns. I, you know, I grew up where where guns were either cops, like good guys, or bad guys. Oh, and in my testimony is I got shot at. But what people don't know is that I've been shot at multiple times. Like, really? Like, like, so I don't know how old I was. Let's say anywhere from 10 to 12 years old. We're in New Haven, Connecticut. So mm-hmm. anybody who knows New Haven, Connecticut knows ghetto. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on my cousin's front porch. And all of a sudden we hear like, bing, zing, whatever. And, and they go, get down. And we, they pull me down and I get up and I don't understand what happened other than pieces of bark were cut into the tree and it was a drive-by Seriously. so that was like when i was little you've never actually been shot right you don't have I've never been shot praise, praise god i've yeah. been shot at yeah one time we're on a highway i believe it was like heading into this way we're going into canada me and this guy jeff vosian and uh there's a bridge there's no cars around us but there's homes up on the hill and boom and something hits the windshield and cracks it and so like man what what could that be a rock got thrown up because there's no trucks or anything he goes and gets the windshield replaced, and they go, "This is the shell of a twenty-two. This is <laughs> somebody shot from their backyard off the highway." Crazy, crazy. So that was two, and then my testimony where I got pulled away from a bull. So, so guns kind of You're just not really there. I'm just, I just wasn't raised around. Yeah, it. sure. And so, I, like a lot of my people in the church are carrying. Yeah, it makes me feel safe, you know, yeah. especially with all the weird stuff happening. I told the guys in our church we have kind of a don't ask, don't tell policy with guns, and um, the, I had one guy say. Um, Hey, Pastor, can I, you know, can I pack my gun? I'm just concerned that if anything were to go down, you know, and I just, the thing I told him is, look, I I don't want to know. I'm not telling you to bring it. I'm not telling you not to bring it. I The only thing I ask is that if you go shooting that thing off in here, if you shoot me, I'm going to, I'm going to punch you in the back. face. <laughs> so you're not a pacifist. What's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man. Oh man! I will yeah. So revival. You know what? You know Funko Pops. Funko Pops. No, this is what I want to ask you. Um, so you have a podcast now. I do. You're, you're, yes. do, you're doing this whole thing. I am. But you also have a prophetic school one on one and yes. a, and a tool one. And basically, bottom line is you've got a lot of amazing resources coming out. Yeah. And you're you're. You're building something. Yes. And you're inviting people to be a part of something. Yes. And this is different than 
your local church. Yes. What is it? What is it that you're uh, building, and and really, who are you inviting? What What does this look like? Chad Dedman, you know him well. He yeah. gave me a prophetic word that that it's it's unfolding now. And he said, "I see God raising you up as a father among prophets. Mm. Like I see you as a father." And totally. I, he says, "A father," and I see you as a pastor to prophets. That's awesome. That's and awesome. so that I was like, "Oh, that's that's great," you know. Well, this pastor the prophets thing is interesting. Because even within my local community or even people that are drawn to me, they're like prophetic. And what I see with, with mentoring the, the prophetic community is there is no community. I added the word community. A lot of them have a lot of uh, struggle. Like So to hear you as a senior pastor of a, of a church say, we need prophets. Mm. That's healing. Oh, cool. Cool. Because cool. a lot of like... Like when I would, when I was doing the mentoring and I would like ask pastors for like, uh, they fill out applications and I'd process with them and talk to them about this, like mentoring this person, they'd freak out. Really? They're like, oh, we don't really want to empower people in the prophetic. Like we're scared of titles. We're scared really? of that. It was like, ah, oh, you know what happens when you give somebody too much authority? And, and, and so there's like a fear of, Interesting. of, Interesting. of the prophetic. And so one of the things that, that I discovered is like, Kind of like what we're doing now. We're talking about deep things of God, but I just do these like Zoom calls. And how you doing? Like talk to him about your heart. What's God? And and just the relationship to where I value you. You're gifted. I'm gifted. So let's just move that aside. Leave your gift at the altar and reconcile with your brother. And so like I feel like I want to build healthy prophetic culture, healthy prophetic communities. And, and actually, like, when I say build community, I mean it. Like, even if it's like, we're doing it at home. Yeah. Like, that's like a little prototype there. Yeah. But online, like, now this is my personal opinion. When I hear people, like, say, and they live in the U.S., I can't find a good church anywhere where I live. I'm like, baloney. Yeah. Like, to me, it's like, you're, you're it's you. You know? <laughs> Wherever there's a problem, there you are. You know what I mean? But some of these countries, that legit. Like there's 7,000 people in their little village, you yeah, know, yeah. or they don't even believe in women and, and ministry or they don't like. And so a lot of the people that I've been mentoring are actually from other countries. Awesome. So to get on with a with a community of, you know, 12, 13, sometimes 20 people and just go around the room and talk and process and then build. It seems so simple. Mm. Like it's it doesn't seem like it's making a huge impact, but it's changing people's life. Awesome. Awesome. They, because they feel like they they're known. I'm known. I'm seen. I have a place to belong, and um, so I'm really wanting to 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 develop that. And the reason why I'm doing the teaching and not just the community part is because I feel like some of the old faulty foundations have to be rebuilt. Yeah. And so I go after wholeness as a person, and that's where I will model. Like I ask God to read mail, man. I want to be so accurate in the prophetic. Because what it does to these people is it gives me credibility, right? Because one of the reasons the prophets don't listen to their pastors is because there's this thing in them that says, you don't hear God, you're a pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. You're just a pastor. What do you know about what God's doing? Another so, reason why um, pro- prophets don't listen to the pastors is because they don't have pastors. hundred <laughs> percent. It's true. And that's what I'm noticing with the prophetic community. But they want to be heard. Mm. Well, how can you, if you're the eye, but you're not connected to the head, Sure. nobody can sure. you know, process sure. what you're saying. Sure. And so I'm so, it comes across a lot in my teaching where people, 
they're like, man, you're really going after character. You're really going after intimacy. You're really going after community. Because it's really what I feel like prophets need. Yeah. So I'm praying that that with the resources, with the with the podcast, with the you know the the mentoring group and the community, and still in process. That that man, it'd be amazing to like somehow connect thousands of people all over the earth that like love Jesus, love the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but are healthy. Yeah. Like like so like let's say Darren, you say to me like, hey Ivan, like, I, I, what I want to do also is like promote. Like, I want to be able to say, would you give this guy a shot at your school? Sure, or sure, Or, like, at sure. the youth group? Like, sure. And, like, be able to actually use my little bitty platform, like Samuel did. What's interesting is I was studying today in the Bible. The Bible says, First Samuel 3, somewhere around there, it says, in the days of Eli, the word of the Lord was rare. Mm. And, then, yeah, and right. then it talks about a boy named Samuel. Wow. Well, then there's a passage of Scripture that talks about Saul, and he goes in the company of... He enters into the company of prophets that Samuel led. So it goes from Eli, the word of the Lord's rare. Wow. God raises up a Samuel. What does Samuel do? He raises up sons of the prophets of school. Yeah, yeah. And there's something about uh, prophets raising up sons and daughters. That, that is another component that I feel sometimes is missing. Instead of like, bring me in, I prophesy over everybody. Bring me back next time this year so I can prophesy everybody again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, at what point do you, um, at what point do you even uh, recognize the prophetic, since everybody, since we can all prophesy, but at what point do you, uh, it, for example, we don't necessarily have a system in place where where by which we can discern Prophets from the whole body, which are or they're prophetic, which is actually kind of kind of interesting. I, I haven't really thought about that. So it's a good question. So here's so when I teach on the gifts of discern, when I teach on the discerning of spirits, I taught on this last night. There's one I didn't teach on last night. So I talk about you know discerning the angelic, discerning the demonic, discerning the human spirit, discerning the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole teaching. That one that I didn't teach last night is discerning the grace that's on somebody. And there are those like Samuel. That saw David and anointed him king. And there are prophets in the body of Christ that have an ability to look at David when he's 12 and say, you're going to be king. I've seen Chris Valton do this multiple times when I was a student. He'd call somebody up and prophesy over them their destiny, but like specific, and it would, it's happening now. Wow, wow, and wow, so wow. I, my prayer has been, and I feel like this is a part of my mandate. Let's, let's back up for a minute. Okay, what is, who's David in our communities? Like, like we see, we think handsome. He's standing out. He's leading worship. No, he's the guy struggling Plays with father issues. Yeah, no, he's struggling with Super dad skinny. issues all by himself. Red hair, <laughs> freckles. You know, he's all alone in, in the, the like the prophet. Totally like, overweight. <laughs> yeah, totally overweight. That's he. The real Davids could never fit in skinny jeans. You know. <laughs> I don't know about that part. You got a you got a verse for it. <laughs> Where's that in the Bible? Uh, so, so then, so, so Samuel finding David instead of the others to me that's the that's the eyes of God, right? And so, so I feel like there is a there is a grace on prophets to be able to call, identify, recognize a gift, but that's where I feel like these prophetic people. I have to trust you. Like, let's say I was a member of your church, I would have to trust. Like to the degree that you can empower me is to the degree that I'm willing to submit to your authority. 
Mm. Don't you think? Yeah. I have to say, you know, Darren, I trust you. You're my pastor. If you see anything in my life, and I mean it. And if you said to me, Ivan, I feel like I can't release you right now for these reasons, I'd have to say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. That's hard for yeah, people. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Prophets need that. Everybody needs that, but especially within the prophetic community. We need people because prophets tend to live future. And everything is urgent and everything is now. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. You got your start at, as an intern. And, but let's say you didn't have that opportunity. And let's say you were just, you're, you're the same Ivan Roman, the same gifting, the same everything. But you didn't get that. The, the, the you didn't get the door was shut to, to join up with Todd, and now you're just in um, you're in a revival local church. Do you think you would have had the same opportunity to? I've never thought of that question before. I, I, my initial re- reaction is I probably would be in real estate or or doing business and using my gift within the you know, within business community. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Be- because I feel like, man. And that wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't, that, that, wouldn't no, be bad. No, that would be bad. But Because there there have been times before be awesome, Todd but... where pastors would identify something on me and I can say to you that they didn't know what to do with me. Mm. Like they, like, like I'd, I have worked for churches like after being with Todd and after Bethel. And they didn't know how to use, like in the context of the local church where you have children's pastor, youth pastor, executive pastor, worship pastor, janitor pastor, front door pastors, everybody's a pastor. Sure. They're, they don't know what to do with, with, oh, with this guy really who isn't just filling a schedule with meetings, but actually from 9 to 12 is legit worship, praying and studying the word. I have a thing in my door. Don't bother me from this time to this time. Yeah. So this mystical thing that was on my life. They didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know, like, they didn't know what to do with me. And so all they knew to do was to use me as a utility in the sense of Ivan give a prophetic word. Yeah. Instead of help build a prophetic culture. We've got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to figure out a way where 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 we can start to establish revival centers yeah. where there's where there's a culture where we're identifying yep. um, these. Mutants, yes, like the these X-Men. ones. Yeah, these ones that are different. Come on, they don't fit in, and we're going to teach them how to use their powers for redemption, not for destruction. Yep, we really got it. We really have to figure it out. I mean, because they're they're doing that at um, Bethel, and they're doing it so well that the numbers are just enormous. Yeah, and there's a place for that, and it's so big, and they're modeling something with such excellence. But there's also ha- there there also needs to be the the small reflections of, of, of there need there needs to be those schools of like twelve yeah you know what I'm saying yeah we've got to figure that out because because yeah. there just is not the tracks established you just can't do it with a Sunday morning or home group system no. the question the question that we have to ask ourselves is are we a church that loves the prophetic or are we a prophetic community like that's deep like. Yeah, a prophetic community, but you can be a prophetic community and not have a school of prophets. Right. And that's what I think a part of the community element is, is you have your training. Because a lot of churches that love the prophetic, you bring in prophetic speakers, we have prophetic teams, but that's not community. Yes. Right? That's, again, we're using them for their gift. But where's the actual community side? And I think it's in the community relational side that you get to identify 
like, oh, this person is like legit. Like, yeah. Let me ask you a question. So let's say you're gonna you're gonna establish a. Um, let's say that you want to reach who you were when you were a kid and coming up, and you you want to be like you want to be the Todd Bentley for the next Ivan Roman, but you're gonna do it in the church. And here you are right now, and you need to hire the right guy because you're not going to do it. You got you're traveling, you're um, you're creating resources, you're doing so much. But you do, but, but let's say you have the resources to do this, and you need to hire. What kind of what kind of person are you going to try to find? Are you going to try to find a, a teacher, a pastor, apostle? Like you know what for what, what, for what contexts for like for establish over my to establish a the kind of internship program that would have worked for you. To bring you, that would have like who would have sought like see who you really are yeah. to develop it and to give you crazy opportunities yes. to really do the stuff so outside of you know what I'm saying like the the right person so so filling that capacity I feel like someone who is not super mesmerized like we love the gifts hmm. we honor the gifts but they're not like mesmerized by the gifts. Dude, that's good. That's really it good. It can't be. So that's why sometimes I feel like pastors are actually the best people for prophets because it's like, wow, that's amazing. You had an angel. That's amazing. But I saw when you pulled up with your spouse that she looked really like sad. How's that going? Interesting. So you think that pastors aren't necessarily overly impressed by the gifts? No, I think that that's what we need to help pastors become. Oh. I think that's why a lot of prophets get rejected and hurt in churches because pastors just go, oh my God, yay. Interesting. And then let's put them on a platform too quickly. And then when they mess it up, let's kick them out. Interesting. Instead of like, look, I love you so much. And I love you more than your gift. I've done this. Dude, I've had so many people leave our church because I smell them coming in the, the back door. Wow. wow, wow they wow, come wow. in they, and they want to give me their agenda, share a word with me. Now I'm way more uh, uh, assertive, uh, confrontational. And I'll say, hey, our, we have a culture of love and empowerment. And what we want is that you would come into a family, not just a place to give you a platform. But it, are those really prophets, or are those people that those are people that have dialed in the, the the prophetic system that we have here, and they see that that's the easiest way to manipulate a local congregation is to come in under that guise yeah. as a don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Because a lot of these people, because we and every church that's open to the prophetic certainly fills that dynamic. Most of them that I've seen that are were not truly prophets. Right. I could see their redemptive gifts, but they, you know, if they could be redeemed, but it was, but it was like that was the easiest. It, that's the easiest way to be recognized is to have have enough style with something that re, that reeks of the prophetic. Yeah, let me answer that other question. It's a really great question. There was a gentleman that was in my life after Todd, after Bethel. His name is Dale Howell who was probably the best gift mix and personality type for me. Hmm. And so he had been used by God powerfully. He was super prophetic, had dreams, encounters, beautiful, like uh, expositor of the word, like had like books on Song of Solomon, like amazing, right? He was so gentle. Oh. And so I and you was that. so intense, yeah. right? And he would listen to me though. He wouldn't do this thing of like, oh, Ivan, you're just younger and your zeal's going to wane and... Nobody wants to hear that. No. No, he was like, I love your passion. I love your zeal. And then he would help redirect me, and he'd create opportunities for me within the church. And I made so many mistakes, Darren. Like one time, legit, I rebuked the whole church. So you're talking 23-year-old Ivan, world champion fighter, so I'm not intimidated by anybody. 
Like, what's the worst thing a man can do to me that didn't happen in the ring? Oh. Like, that's kind of how I thought. Like, pff, I don't care who you, th- whatever. So then there's like authority <laughs> issues there too, right? So then, so, so one time I preached and I was, I rebuked the church. I'll never forget it. We, I, I've take, I, I, I took the church. Maybe it was like a Bethel youth conference or something. The kids came back so excited and they were sharing testimonies of what God did. They were getting drunk in the spirit. It was in Albany actually that I took them to this youth conference. And the church just sat there and looked like, whatever, just like, what's next? Wow. And I got angry, right? And I got up. I was like, you're not mothers and fathers. And I, and I just like, bah, bah, bah. It was like my service to lead as the youth pastor. <laughs> yeah. And I just ripped them apart. And so I go home. Not a lot of people responded for sure, ministry. Sure, you know, sure, that, that, sure. That's a, So I go home. I have a dream. In the dream, the Lord speaks to me that I was to publicly repent. Wow. To the congregation. And he said, would you speak to your mom and dad like that? Mm. I, don't, I don't want you to speak to people like that. Wow. So I go to the senior pastor the next day, this pastor I'm talking about, and I say, I need to ask your forgiveness for how I spoke to the church. And I also need your permission to repent publicly to the church. And he held me. He hugged me. And he says, I, I, he says, the elders wanted to bring you in and correct you. He says, and I said, Ivan is God's son. Let's give the father... A chance to correct him first. Interesting. That's what I needed. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't need somebody that would fight with me. I didn't need somebody to compete with me, to use me, to challenge me. I, I needed a father that actually saw me, but saw that if they were just like, how do I, how do I want to say it? Like, don't use the person to build your ministry. Yeah. Like, so I think, I think if the context of like an internship of what you're talking about, if you can get like a papa prophet, you can get somebody that's like, like you have an incredible leader of your school who's super prophetic, who's a mom, you know, where you're actually like, you had a dream, honey. That's amazing. amazing. Sandy's amazing. Someone like Sandy. Yeah. Who's going to like, I love that you have a gift, man. Are you listening, Sandy? Sandy, you're amazing. You're going full time. Do you want to come to my church? School supernatural. Stay away from Ivan. Comes to <laughs> so I don't, does that is that a good is that helpful? Very helpful. Because I think like okay, so let's do fivefold. Like you get a teacher, and and the prophets are in the class, and and the teacher starts doing theology and all that. The prophets are like, oh my god, what about encounter? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the pastor, and they're born the the prophet with Just all their loving everybody, uh, hug everybody, everybody. kiss her. You get the evangelist. Awesome. But the but honestly though, <laughs> the apostles. Awesome. But the apostles make me come alive oh it really yeah i know when i'm in an apostolic church i know when i'm in a church called to be apostolic i know i'm when i'm around an apostle because i feel like the grace on my life increases ah wow one of the reasons why i pursued him yeah one of the reasons why there was a season i I might probably talk to you about this where i was searching for like a network or a movement to be a part of was because i have identified in my own life when i align my heart with an apostle Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Something happens to me on the inside. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm like, I'm, I walk in greater authority. There's no ceiling. Like, the first time I experienced that, well, I've experienced that a lot. But why when? Dude, I saw Lauren Cunningham one time. Let's say 700 young people. And he's like, well, what are you guys doing for God? <laughs> he's like, some of you are like waiting for the Lord to tell you what to do next. You know? And he wasn't saying, he's a dad. He's like 80 something yeah, years old. Yeah. But I was shocked. I would have said, 
listen, you guys need to just go back home and get a job. I don't want another letter from you. Like, stop trying to take over my church. Like, yeah. like I would have probably, like, overly parented them. Yeah, that's good. And man. brought, like, yeah, and really he good. was kind of like, guys, you're in your best years of your life, 18 to 25. Now's the time of reformation. Mm. And I saw, like, a, a dad and a granddad empower a generation to run after their dreams. And it convicted me. Jesus released these guys called them apostles dude three years he sent them out when their like character wasn't perfect like yeah, i still get quick, so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've heard entire sermons of like why why did paul put elders in churches that were young and why did he release timothy and it's like well there wasn't anybody else that age yeah the church hadn't been established yeah. long we need old guys in there you know yeah way too many issues all those guys had issues i just think if we can if we can really like okay Cool story. I'm in uh, uh, back in the green room. John Paul Jackson's back there, right? I mean, this guy is the seer of seers. Absolutely. Like, you've been, have you seen his ministry? Yeah, like, he's I, awesome. Like Bob Jones is like my favorite guy in the world. Yeah. But I never, you never really understood. Like, yep, I saw a white horse over your head. Know what that means, boy? And you're like, yeah. you lie. You go, yeah. yeah. You know, but you don't really understand. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> John Paul Jackson. Let's see if I can do his voice. Oh, now I got nervous, but. He, do it, do it, he do it, would, do it. he would, dude, I was in a meeting with John Paul Jackson. <laughs> yeah. He calls, he's a young man, you stand up. And he says, uh, he goes, you thought you were called to business. Isn't that right? What he doesn't know is this guy gave a testimony in our, in our school that he felt like God was calling him to business and all. Yeah. So everybody like that yeah. was in the school heard this guy give the testimony. John Paul calls him up and he says, but all along God called you pastor. Wow. And he had to release you for a season to do business. Wow. So that you could fu- and he starts to give him specific details about but I'm like I'm not even giving the details cuz it was so cra- it was the craziest thing to actually watch somebody who doesn't know what you heard like 6 months 7 months ago specific. And uh Chris Valentin leans over to Bill cuz I told him that, you know. <laughs> so anyway, John Paul would call people out and say this is the dream that you dreamed on your bed last night. Wow. And tell him the dream. So he wasn't like parabolic. He was like, two o'clock yesterday, you had a breakfast fajita. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was so specific. So I, I'm like, always been mesmerized and always honored prophets. And he was doing this dream interpretation service. And so I was, I didn't get my dream interpretation. So now he's done, right? And he's serving food. Like, he's like serving himself food. And I get behind him. I say, I got a dream for you to interpret. Like, you know how, how we love that, right? You just yeah, got done yeah, ministering yeah. for an hour. You yeah. started praying, you're exhausted. And he looks at me, man. There's like, his eyes were like this deep blue, and he and he and he just pauses. And he takes a breath and he goes, "What? Well, what was it?" And it was a quick dream, luckily. And he goes, and I could tell he did not want to interpret the dream. Really? No, because the dream was my calling. The dream was I'm in Bob Jones's house. Bob Jones is cutting me apples. I'm on the phone with my mom. A faceless man is sitting next to me. Like, this is how simple it is to interpret. Bobby Connor walks in and says, Well, I was in a meeting the other day, and there was enough power in this finger, and he lifts his pinky finger, to break every single bone in that man's... Oh, I was in a meeting the other day, and there was a 76-year-old man, and and, uh, there was enough power in this finger to break every bone in his body. It's a teacher finger. 1776 is the year of revolution, but 76 also represents longevity. Wow. So... I come out, so I share the dream with. So the, basically, I'm in Bob's house. I'm a, I'm called to be a seer like Bob, mm. 
called to the church, my mother, but Bob is having to cut apples like for a child because hmm. I wasn't ready to digest these apples. Hmm. Bobby is coming in and he's teaching me a lesson. Boy, there's enough power. And this finger break every bone in your body. It's like the fear of the Lord as a part of it as well in the dream. So these are all men that I super like respect, you know. So John Paul hears the dream and I can tell like he doesn't want to tell this zealous 23-year-old you're called to be a seer prophet like Bob. Yeah. Like in the house of Bob. Yeah, know? yeah. He pauses and he goes, have you heard any of my resources? I said, yeah, my favorite is how to be a prophet without being a jerk. <laughs> That's funny. He says, you're in the training season. He never called me a prophet. Well, what he said was this. He says, you're called to be a seer like Bob, mm. but you're not ready. Hmm. Wow. And I and I I'm so grateful for that. Wow. And I think that's the part of that mentoring prophets that you have to be able to have a John Paul that looks you in the eyes and says, "Son, I see destiny in you. You're amazing. I believe in you, but you're not ready." Like that's I feel like what prophets mm. need is a father and a mother who you don't even have to be prophetic or interpret their dream. But just say, I love you so much. You're not ready. Mm. I, I just love stories. I mean, that's my own story. But I, yeah, so good. You get yeah. me thinking, man. Prophetic culture, prophetic communities. I've been meditating on this. Because how do you, even the word prophetic, like really what we're saying is a community where everybody can hear the voice of God. In the last day, says God, I pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your young men will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Mentoring, identifying, releasing. Even the idea of like, like, the word prophet, like I have had people in my mentoring where it doesn't matter their age, where some books that I read would say, you can't be a prophet until you're at least 50 years old. Where do they get that? Yeah, it sucks. Even priesthood in scripture was like, what, 30 <laughs> years old? Yeah. And right. then it was, and then another times they needed priests, so they lowered the age in scripture. Yeah. So there, so some of the age limitations are so... I like those kinds of rules. You know, like it'd make, it'd make everything so much easier. Yeah. You know, sorry, you're a woman, right? Oh, sorry, you're too old. Sorry, you're too young. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And when you look at Jesus, he's just like, yep, all right, go and do it now. Yeah, exactly. You're so empowered. <laughs> a demon came out of you five minutes ago, and now you're going to be the greatest missionary yeah. to the city five minutes later. That was your Bible school, a demon coming out. That's it. Tell him about me. That's it. Tell him about Dang. me. But I remember having to tell people in the mentoring, like I would ask God, like, Lord, I don't just want to tell them who they're not. Because some of them had a gift of prophecy, but I knew they weren't graced sure. as a prophet. Sure. So a few things that I look for is, number one, people are trying, this isn't my own, I heard this from Chris Valentin, people are trying to find their purpose before they found their people. Yeah. You don't find your purpose without your people. Yeah. Profit to who? Or profit to what? You know what's so interesting, man? As, as you're talking about this, is what I'm thinking about. We love prophets because they cheer us up, they build us up, they you know they encourage us. Yet we typically don't trust the prophets, right? So when the word when the word is um, is all good, then it's perfect. When a word is, and I don't mean like a bad word, like a judgment word or something, but when a word is like caution or beware, or I don't feel good about this. Oftentimes when a prophet um, is telling us what we don't want to hear, and then what we can say is, well, they're just a prophet. They're negative. Whoa. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's their own, that's their own prophetic disposition. And because I'm a pastor and I see the good in everybody. But um, actually I've, I've, some of the biggest mistakes I've made has been because I've entrusted the prophets. I've experienced, I've experienced being the prophet that wasn't heard Mm -hmm. so many times. And, and it's not one of those things of like, oh, you know, told you so. But I can teach the rejection of what I had to walk through. And even like, not the woe is me, but almost like, who do you think you are to warn that leader about this? I remember when I was with Todd, there was, like, there was a point where like, Todd was giving away his platform. Like he, he would see something in someone and he would have you stand up and he'd be like, Pastor Darren has an amazing church. You know, if you live in Seattle, like he was very much like that, right? So people were starting to circle around him that were in ministry, that were looking to expand their platform. Mm. They'd walk in the room, dude, and I would just discern instantly false motives. Mm. I instantly would see what was on them that was not the Lord, you know? And I would, I would tell Todd, you know? And, and he learned to listen to me. But in the beginning, he is such a believer in people. Like more than people would realize. Like he sees, like he was just at one time, you know, before all this stuff, he just believed in everybody, man. And I, and I was that guy and I was that guy in the, in the church. Uh, I was uh, sitting in the, in the secretary's office and the Lord speaks to me, says, I want you to push your office number on the intercom. So, you know, who am I going to, nobody's in the office. I click it and a name comes up. I won't say the name. And I see this name and the Lord says to me, they're going to invite you to be like this guy to them, a prophet to the church. Mm. And so, so I go and I, I go to the different leaders, you know, and I say, hey, tell me about this guy. And they go, oh man, he was one of the most accurate prophets we've ever had, but one of the biggest jerks. They said, this guy, man, he was, and they, and they really, they didn't like him. <laughs> right. Right, because he was so harsh. Like there was, like one guy told me a story about how he would always, like, out of insecurity, have to make a joke in a staff meeting, and he told the Lord, "Lord, I'm not going to make a joke." And then all of a sudden, he's in the meeting and he makes a joke, and then the prophet looks at him and says, "You were doing so good. Remember, you told the Lord that you weren't going to." Like that's the level this guy was. But he was a prophet that would come and bring correction words. So I'll tell you one time I saw him. He comes into this ministry and he goes. When this particular minister falls, if you don't have these things aligned, A, B, C, D, in your bylaws, I mean, like specifics, this is what's going to happen. I repeat, when, I'm in the meeting, I'm in the room. Hmm. I leave there and I go, whoa. And they go, that's just his disposition. Oh, for real? Yeah. And when it happened, it happened exactly like he predicted. But the rest of the story is... (laughs) Two, three months later, they invite me to an elders meeting and they say, hey, we'd like you to be like this guy to our church. And just like the Lord told me. And they loved me when I was, hey, I had this vision. They would bring me in the meetings, at deacons meetings, and they'd say, would you get a read on people? And I would just look in the spirit and I'd see people and I'd see not always negative. A lot of times just what they were called to. Maybe they weren't in the right position. Maybe they were bored. I saw this one guy who was asleep with a shotgun like this on his side. And his wife said, wake up and grab the gun and shot somebody and hurt them by accident. And uh, anyway, and so after this experience, I go with every single deacon and I tell them what God showed me. And they're like laughing and they're tearing up and they're like, they're like, this is shocking. They're like, this woman is actually really the elder. She actually has a spiritual authority on her life, but because of 
wow. the way it is. Like her husband's asleep and sometimes she just takes the authority without being given to her and ends up hurting people. Like that's what you saw. Like, okay, they loved me, dude. There, there would be meetings. People that knew me would call me the prophetic pit bull. <laughs> like if they called Ivan into a meeting, you're really? going to get really? chewed. Oh, dude, really? I was harsh, bro. Really? That's why when you hear me teach, I'm like, don't give me that low level discernment. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. just tell <laughs> yeah, people yeah. because that was me, dude. Sure, I was whipping sure, people. Sure. So like, so like, so, so like, somebody would sit in the office and they'd have an issue with the pastor, right? Pastor, you didn't do this and that, and then they'd be like, "Well, Ivan, is God showing anything?" And I say, "Well, actually, you think that this is an issue with with the pastor, but this goes all the way back from your grandfather who is abusive to your father who's abusive to your husband who's presently." <laughs> Wow. And then the pastors would come in, counsel, heal. Wow. Wow. And they just used me to like divert like <laughs> response. <laughs> and dude, I would just, and I thought this is what the prophetic was, man. And like, <laughs> bro, they called me the prophetic pit bull. Break him down. But then man. something happened when all of a sudden God began to give me warnings for them. Oh, interesting. And then I, and then I started to notice that I got invited to less and less. That wasn't as popular. Staff meetings. Right, right, right. And now they're having is without me yeah and so like it's that process where you're going and it wasn't like i was you keep your crosshairs off me boy exactly yeah and i've experienced that you know a lot even with people in the church my church presently where they you know you're our pastor we love you and if god ever shows you anything you know we're here as long as it's good yeah and not about me and not about me yeah Yeah. but as soon as you start to say you know Hey, I'm I'm really concerned about a few things. Yeah, interesting. And uh, oh my goodness, I'm it, it, one of the issues that I've had as well is like, like you're saying, a prophet in your hometown. Yeah. There also is the dynamic of like, have you experienced this? As soon as somebody's like, well, I just kind of see you as my little brother, dude. No. They've already just totally I, I heard that, man. discredited you as a leader in their life. I haven't heard that. That would be a major <laughs> red flag. I've heard that so many times. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I already got a big brother. I, His name's Jesus. Yeah. Shut up. So son. Ivan, I'm older than you, and you know, like, really, what I want is I want to do ministry with you, uh, with you, and be a part of the leadership and make decisions. But I don't want to come under major anything. red flag. Yeah, major red flag. So, so a lot of yeah. those people they come with the rhetoric, and then when you start to just let me poke a few places, they leave, they run. Yeah. But it's sad because I feel like the love of a prophet, if I could say it this way is I love you too much to leave you the same. Mm. Confrontation is not hard for me ever. Yeah, I actually yeah. have to call my wife and my elders and ask them, should I confront the situation or should I let it go? Because mm. I don't trust myself because sure. I'm like, I love confrontation so sure, much. Sure, That's fine. <laughs> like That's if you fine. like were like, Ivan, you know this and this about you, I go, you love me, dude. Like I feel loved sure. by your ability to say like, man, sure. this is going to hinder you. But man, I'm realizing that we don't live in a culture where, and another like little thought that I have about this, I was like athletes, people that were in sports as a kid, yeah, they tend to handle constructive criticism better. Oh, because they understand coaching. Yep. Yeah. That's interesting. With my team, I'll ask questions before you start inviting people. Mm-hmm. Tell me about like, did you play sports? Mm-hmm. Were you ever in like a corporate business where they like demanded of you like email three times a day and like... Per- and oh, that's good. those people really good. are the best. Interesting. It's yeah. those that didn't play team sports, that that were never involved in a corporate job. Because then it starts to create this thing of, I thought we were just friends, but now you're asking me to check my email three times a day, and that's confusing. So there's all those type of things. I mean, I'm, getting, interesting. I'm, I'm getting off on random. <laughs> you, you know, it's crazy is that like we, uh, we're, we are sons, and uh, but 
we're now we're also fathers. Yep. But also it's same in the natural then in the spirit. So we've been sons and we are our sons in the spirit, but we're also fathers in, in, yeah. in, in the church. And that's weird. And I'm, and I'm your spiritual father. It, yeah. Well, I was going to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. We'll talk, we'll, 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 the paperwork's still here, buddy, so don't try to flip this on me. The invitation was obvious. You know, I'm inviting you to be a son. But, like, here's what. Here's <laughs> Ivan Smith. Um, <laughs> not about that. Um, I was going somewhere. There is. I was going, oh yeah. So the other day, the other day, uh, a guy, a, a young guy in our church, not too young though, maybe the same age as me, and from a different culture. Um, I thanked him for doing whatever in the church and told him, "Yeah, you're a real blessing." And then he said, uh, he looked at me and he said, um, "Thank you, Papa," because in his culture, that's what that's what you do. But, on, but not big papa. No, it wasn't like, thank you, big papa. <laughs> and then you, you didn't say, I like it when you call me big pop. That didn't happen. No. In my imagination, that's what happened. Uh-uh. I just was clarifying. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I would not say that. And then afterwards, you said to your church, I want everybody to call me papa. <laughs> That wouldn't have been good. Oh, I would start calling me Big Papa. <laughs> that wouldn't have been good. Now look, I know I'm not a big guy. Oh my gosh! It caught. It, it, but my point was that it caught. It caught <laughs> It caught me off guard. Yeah. Like when you said that, it caught me off guard. Like because I heard it, but I was like, "Did I really hear that? Why are you crying?" <laughs> It really moved you when you called me Papa. <laughs> the viewers can't see the tears in your eyes. <laughs> should call this podcast Papa, Papa Dad. <laughs> where's, where's your soaking music? We put that back on. <laughs> and it, where we started it. Um, what I'm, the point that I'm getting at is uh, that's an awkward thing to think about. Because I don't see my, even though I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm a whatever, I don't. I don't, I don't position myself as a father. Right. And then I also wonder if, if that also makes me, am I subconsciously closing my heart in that capacity? Whoa. Like, am I more comfortable with being a brother to you? Like when people look at me to be like their spiritual father, I'm always like, in my, in my own head, I'm thinking like, I don't want to go there with you because I don't want to let you down. And I don't know if, I don't even know what that means. Like to be your spiritual dad, like, Dude, I, I have three kids of my own, and that, and I feel like I need to be more present. Dang. So, like, if so, I've been thinking about that as far as like, you just went deep. Yeah, what what it's gonna what it's gonna mean to actually be a spiritual father? Because I, dude, for you and I, we're always looking for that. Yeah. And and now I'm not, like, honestly, I'm not looking for a spiritual father. So when I have guys like present that to me in all seriousness, like, hey, like, I'll, you know. Like they would never be that forthright. Like, hey, like I will be your spiritual papa, right? Like I've never had anyone say that, but really darn close. And I, every time in my own heart, I'm like, no, like, no, I, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a brother to you, but, but, I'm not going to come under you in that kind of. Not because I'm against hierarchy or authority or whatever, but just it just feels weird. Yep. 
to, to put your papa ship on someone. Yep. But but there but with with and it doesn't have to be about age. But I think there is a desire in the next generation for for spiritual fathers, and it's like, man, I just don't I don't want to be close hearted to the next generation. I don't want to be like use that title, but not have the openness yeah. and the and the ban not have the bandwidth. <clears throat> I've been corrected by the Lord through people. And the Lord Himself. I was at a conference and and uh, two stories. One was I was at a conference and I was bantering and joking and cutting and you know I, a friend of mine told me you got that New Jersey prison humor you know and part of that it was was out of survival where if somebody picks on you and you don't pick on them back you're gonna get just like sure my my like older cousins would do this yeah and then i got to where i was like well you're you're a diaper head and they'd laugh ha, ha, ha. yeah but but if you didn't call him a diaper head then you were just a weak little kid yeah totally so totally. so i i get into that mode you know and and i was at a conference and this guy who is an apostle he looked over at me he says i know what god's doing in your life i said really he said he's taking you from being an older brother to a father hmm. and it didn't felt like a rebuke it actually felt, I felt the weight of it. And I started to process some of the things that we're talking about. Then the Lord sent me to a ministry trip, I won't say where, with a bunch of young guys. So like I'm 38, so I'm young in my mind. But these guys were like starting their ministry. And I'm doing the same thing with them, man. I'm razzing them and I'm picking on them and all this. I go back to the room and the Lord speaks to me so clear. I sent you here to be like a father to them. Mm but you're acting like an older brother. Wow. And I went and I repented and I went back to the meeting and I said, hey man, t- so I'm sorry, I'm being silly. And I uh, tell me about your ministry. And I didn't realize, Darren, how much they looked up to me. Wow. And when I just took time to value them, here's my personal phone number. I don't, I'm not a big call guy, text me and I'll just, yeah. dude, it changed everything. Like, That's incredible. Yeah, it's really in incredible. My heart, it's and, really good word. so I think, it's really a good word. I think in defining a spiritual father, we have to recognize that it doesn't always mean that we need somebody to go back into our, like, when you were a kid and nobody played basketball with you or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think that there's there's a, we're not talking about, like, like a natural father replacing. Like, yeah. And I think that's where people that are desiring spiritual fathers, sometimes they don't find them. Because you can feel like, I'm sure I was exactly like this. You could feel the, you know, you could feel the emptiness where it's like, oh my goodness, like what that person needs is way more than I could give them. Mm -hmm. I've had people ask me and, uh, and there's people that I've said, man, I would love to be here for you any way I can. Let's see how the relationship gets defined. But there's been others where I just said, you know what? I'm just not sure in this season I have what you need. Yeah. Because they actually need it like everyday text messaging and everyday. You know what I'm saying? So I think that there's a component when you're looking for a spiritual father that our expectations are real. Like and not like like making agreements rather than expectations. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had a young guy um, uh, approached me the other day about kind of going deeper in, in, the, in the relationship into like more of a mentoring kind of, you know, Kind of, kind of thing, but it was the, a millennial. They're always wanting to go. Uh, they want to go. I don't deeper. know who it was, but you know, actually, I just need you, to process this with you right now. So here's here's what happened. Uh, Leif Hetland. Yeah. So I love Leif. What he does is super unfair. And what I mean by that is that Leif is the most open-hearted, vulnerable, sincere father of fathers. 
And every time I speak, there's this part of you that, that me that just wants to be like, like be my dad, wow. you know, like be my father. And Lace also probably the, the kind of guy that has enough bandwidth in the most, you know, like where if, if I were to approach him like Lace, would you be my spiritual father? Like, like if he said yes, I know he would, I know that he would be there. I know that he'd be very, very present. The reason why I say it's, it's somewhat unfair is that every person in that meeting wants Leif to be their spiritual father because of that special special grace that, that's on him. And the problem is, is that this young man was looking to me to kind of be that Leif. Like, because it, it opened up so so many issues from his own relationship with his dad. It opened up so many kind of kinds of things. And he's like, and uh, and here's Leif Hetland. And, and this is possible. But Darren, can you be like that for me? And I had to be like, Dude, I love you, and I want to have uh, conversations with you where we can be open and honest, where I can really, really help you. But I can't be Leif Hetland to you. I, I, I can't, you know, I, like, I can't, I can't um, offer that kind of, you know, I, I can't offer more than what I'm get, giving you already. But I, and it was, and it, but it was just being like, how do we be very honest and how do we be very, very transparent? And then also I said, dude, I, 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 what we need to do is with that vulnerability, with that sensitivity, like you feel like you just had a bandaid ripped off of your heart, right? right. When you see that kind of vulnerability in, in, in a man and that kind of uh, being comfortable with your emotions and all of that, right? But we've got to be able to take that and be able to process it with the Lord because that's the invitation is to into this greater intimacy with with the true father and and i told him if i become that if i become like the the temptation is to make darren your your spiritual father and the problem is is that your health will be contingent on the health of our relationship yeah 100 and what was cool is thank you jesus he understood like he 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 like he really understood that and and i didn't lose and like he didn't lose respect or honor for me or for our, you know. Yeah. But what you were saying, I think, is so good is that we're able to be very, very transparent with 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 if we're offering that, that we're able to communicate the boundaries right up front and the expectations right up front, so that. Um, yeah. That's but I'm only thirty-seven. Things. You're a lot younger than me. I should see. That means I should be your spiritual father. <laughs> I recently read. Well, did that. you bring paperwork? Because if you, if you didn't even come prepared, oh, do you have a printer? Because I just have it where I can click it in one click. No. Um, so we're, I just we're recently we're paperless here here at SRC. I'll text it to you. I rest. I recently read this uh, Facebook post that I thought was brilliant, and this man has been itinerant ministry for like forty years. And one of the things that he said was, "I don't build relationship with people in the congregation after I leave." And he said, because after all these years of itinerant ministry, they're trying to find something in me that I can't give them. And they need to find that within their local congregation and their pastor and their communities. So a lot of times I go to certain, like I've experienced this. I come to a, a conference, a session, and I'm, I'm, I am a nice guy. And I'm connecting with them and we're, then you go home and then people don't realize you go to another conference. And that interaction they felt seen and valued and encouraged. So now you're, you're this whatever kind of Christian celebrity that I'm getting hit with Facebook messages. Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, hey, can you mentor me? And it's like, I sure, I can mentor you by my 101, by my 201. And that's so offensive. 
Because don't you remember we had that connection? Wow. You're like, yeah, I have that like all over the world. And that's the hard part, I think, with, with in some ways like the Christian celebrity. Like when we're looking for the spiritual father to be the, the, the guy on the platform. And that was one of the things when I was a student mm. at Bethel. Danny Silk and those guys, they would say, when we teach on being a spiritual father, like leading fathers, most of you are looking to us. But you're, but you're overlooking the healthy father figure that's sitting in the congregation. Yeah, that's good. Really good. Right? That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So good. We've covered a lot. A lot. It's been good. We got a meeting tonight. You should end it on Funko Pops. We got food to eat. I've got deep. We got Funko Pops. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna look look that up on Amazon and definitely not buy one. No, you should. Everyone should <laughs> listen to this podcast. And send me Funko Pops. Yes, everybody send Ivan a Funko Pop. And what's your address? What's your home address? Um, what's the address here? <laughs> Dude, if I had a Funko Pop arrive at my front door, you'd love I, it. I'd never see it. The It'd bro. go right to the guard. Andrew would be like, "Yep, no, nope, that's not happening." Your kids. You need to go get your kids some Funko Pops. It's been good. Yeah, man, that's good. Love you, Ivan. I got deep. Yeah, I did. Love you, son. <laughs> Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks guys.